Welcome back to Early Departures. I'm Phoebe. I'm Ashley. <laughs> Are we still doing that? Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, Phoebe's the blonde one, I'm the brunette, and we're back for another week. We're here to unpack all of your vacation nightmares. Yeah, I wish I was packing something so I could go somewhere, but here we are. I'm still stuck at home, <laughs> so we're going to today actually talk about a place that I very much want to go to, and I think that you also would like to go to, <laughs> so hmm. we were actually talking about this place semi-recently, Reunion Island. It's not very well known, but... I came across it in a Reddit thread, I think, a while ago, and I was like, I've never heard of that place. Let me look it up. And it is a place that looks like it has amazing hiking and you can do like sort of place to place, you know, hut to hut sort of multi-day hiking. So do you remember me sending you that one? Yes, yes. And I'm trying to remember where it was. It was off the coast of Africa. Yep. It's off the east coast of Africa and it's actually between uh madagascar and mauritius so it's okay. just wedged yep. right up in between them and you know mauritius i don't know if i actually know anybody who's been there but i have a lot of friends who say i should go there so um but i've never had anybody tell me i should go to reunion island reunion island also makes me think of like a reality television show <laughs> you know it's like yeah where they make ex-wives and husbands meet up or like you have a reunion with your high school yeah friends that would be not like not in a good way either like it's you know totally staged and yeah you guys all hate each other and i would love that you know because there's like love I there's only like love island and something else like reunion island wednesdays at eight yeah anyway so uh, you know, just because I said it was off the coast of Africa between Madagascar and Mauritius, it's actually about 500 miles east of Madagascar. So it's it's not like right off the coast of Madagascar or anything, but it's very much closer to Mauritius. I don't know how much closer, but quite a bit. Anyway, so now you know where it is. And mostly it's like French and German tourists go there. Not a lot of, certainly not a lot of Americans, but... That's the setup. And now I'll tell you that in November 2019, Richard Turner, who was 44, and his wife Verity traveled from their home in Edinburgh, Scotland to Reunion Island to celebrate her 40th birthday, which is always like bad news because ever if it's they're celebrating <laughs> a big thing or if it's somebody's last day, shit all goes wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Every time. So she was definitely doing her big 4-0 up correct because uh, Reunion Island, which is a French territory, it isn't just some weekend getaway spot, you know, like we've talked about Mallorca and, you know, the Caribbean and Cabo, places like that, uh, Cancun. It is not like that. It would have taken them a minimum of 14 hours to get from Scotland to Reunion Island, and that is not counting any layovers. When I looked it up recently to see how long it would have taken them, uh, 14 hours is like the flying time. Most of the flights would have taken them 24 hours because there would be like a 10-hour layover here or there, so... Yeah, I remember you mentioning that when you first found this island, you're like, oh, we can fly direct from Paris, but it's yeah. like nine hours. 
And that's getting. Then we got to get to Paris first. Yeah, that's from Paris. It's uh, from Paris. It's like eleven hours. So oh, eleven. Okay. From wherever you live to Paris, add eleven hours to that, and then you can get to Union Island. So for a lot of us living, especially you know, in the middle or east coast of America, it's like if you went all the way to Japan. It's very far. But um, anyway, so once they got there. They checked into the five-star Lux Reunion Resort in St. Gillies, which I'm sure is probably not pronounced that way, but I do not speak a lick of French. Uh, And they were going to stay there for a week. On Saturday, November 2nd, Richard went on his own to go snorkeling in Hermitage Lagoon. Most tourists swim in Hermitage Lagoon because a coral reef separates it from the Indian Ocean, which makes it safe from sharks. Oh, cool. The waters there are said to be calm, warm, shallow, with a depth of less than six feet. So, you know, sharks don't really like shallow water because it's, like, harder for them to move around in, I guess. Mm -hmm. But because it's the show, as you might have guessed, Richard did go missing from the water. I would say, I feel like the whole shark comment might be foreshadowing (laughs) Richard's future. Yeah, sadly. And I I don't laugh because he went missing. I laugh because it's like, I don't know. If somewhere is described as being safe from sharks, it makes me only think about sharks. Um, After he had been gone for quite a while, Verity couldn't find him. She alerted the resort that he was missing. And a full search was launched with boats, divers, and a police helicopter searching for Richard in the water, and people and sniffer dogs searching on land, just in case maybe he wandered off and got lost elsewhere, you know. But there was no trace of Richard anywhere. It was thought that the waves might have pushed Richard out beyond the reef into the open sea, which is like, just that thought makes me want to vomit (laughs) in and of itself, because that is like, I don't know, a small... Just a little fear I have in the back of my mind whenever we're, like, out swimming in a beach somewhere. I'm like, well, what if there's, like, a a riptide that just pulls you out? Well, it's like that one episode. I don't remember what the episode number is about the group that was diving off of... um, Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Komodo Island. Komodo Island. Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. What island was it? They were diving off Komodo Island, and they came up, and they got swept out by the current, because again, that's where two bodies of water were met. So... Yeah. Again, you have a cove, and it's on the edge, you know, like, things things like that happen. Kind of a realistic fear. Yeah, and to, to, to genuinely think of what it would be like to be so far out into the ocean that you could not see land anymore and to not be on a boat. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Mm-hmm. So there's a channel which apparently sweeps water from the lagoon out into the sea. And there's actually a setup hanging like over the channel with chains dangling into the water for people who get swept out to try to grab onto because it does or at least has happened that people do get swept out. So kind of like you just said, we have two bodies of water meeting each other. They have this lagoon and then the Indian Ocean and there is this little channel that just sucks the water out. I feel like for there to be chains for people to catch a hold of, that means yeah. more than one person went out through the channel. <laughs> you know, I feel like the first time it happens, you're like, oh, wow, awful tragedy. Yeah. I feel like it takes a few times 
before they're like, oh. Yeah, before you go, oh, we got to do something about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which also is, the, it's a problem that if you were just a tourist there and you're there, like, celebrating your birthday, whatever, unless the hotel told you, it's not like it's something you would look up. It's certainly not anything I've ever thought to look up when I was going to a certain beach or lagoon or whatever was like, do they have a system to keep people from being swept out to sea? I have never Googled that, basically. Yeah. And I take it there was no sign at the beach. No, no, not as far as I'm aware. So the following day, uh, beyond the lagoon and the channel, four tiger sharks were found in an area about four miles from Hermitage Beach. The sharks were fished out, and between all the articles I read, I couldn't really understand why they were taken out of the water. Some articles said that they regularly fish sharks out of the water to control the population, and others made it seem like sharks were actually within the lagoon and not four miles out, and then, of course, had to be removed for safety. In any event, with Richard having gone missing in the area, they cut the sharks open to check for possible human remains. And a forearm and a hand. What? (laughs) Were found inside of one of the sharks. Oh my gosh. Heartbreakingly, Verity was asked to see if she could identify the hand. Don't even tell me he still had like his jewelry or something on his hand. Yep. He he had a really unique wedding ring and she immediately recognized that it was his. Oh! And like, I just can't imagine. It's one thing for your spouse to die. It's a whole other thing to have a singular body part of theirs found inside of a shark. <laughs> like whether it was inside of a shark or a bear or whatever, like that has a set in your mind just racing. Yeah. The fact that they cut my significant other's body part out of an animal. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's awful. It's like they're there for her birthday. I don't know how long they had been there before this happened, but, you know, like, it's horrible that he was just like, okay, well, I'm going to go snorkeling and have fun. Happy birthday. Bye-bye. And then never to be seen again except for his hand. And you know what I've thought about as we've kind of told some of these stories about a partner Mm -hmm. kind of not making it through the trip. Could you imagine how devastating that flight home is? Yeah. Like, you've got an empty seat next to you now. Yeah. Think about just how being on a long flight, you have all, all you can do is think. You've got, like, your iPad, some movies. But other than that, like, kind of like quiet time, you know? Yeah. And you have this time and you're reflecting on everything and you have the empty seat next to you. I just imagine that's, like, the worst nine hours of your life or sorry 11 you said yeah plus whatever else you have to do yeah. to get home uh and then uh, and i also think of like having to have a layover and for her you know fly 11 hours from reunion to paris and then just to have to wander around the airport for how however who knows long before she can get her flight to go back home I try to remind myself, like, I really do try to think about that when I'm dealing with somebody who is just being rude. I think, like, you never know what somebody's been through that day. (laughs) And, like, if you're in an airport, you never know if somebody is traveling to go to somebody's funeral of, like, a family member or if somebody is traveling home from uh, you know, a trip that they were with somebody and now that person is no longer even alive. So, you know, try not to be a dick as much as possible because <laughs> you just never know. I mean, I'd be hysterical. I mean, 
I've already yeah, that's what I think. I've already cried on the plane like last time I was flying. I was like watching the Mr. Rogers movie. Oh <laughs> crying. And you know the person next to me is like, what's why is this woman crying like this? Mm-hmm. And it's just a Mr. Rogers movie. So yeah. I imagine having some yeah. huge life trauma. Yeah. I would just be in the fetal position sobbing. I know. I, I can't even imagine. And imagine if, like, the worst case scenario would be something horrible happens to you and you're, like, 15 hours from home and you get stuck in the middle seat, like, all the way home. <laughs> I just don't even, I don't know how you would make it. I wouldn't have to hold my tissues. Yeah. Anyway, one piece of good-ish news is that tests showed that Richard's arm was in the shark for about 24 hours when the shark was initially picked up, which was four days after Richard went missing. So basically that means that for Richard to have been attacked and killed by the shark, he would have had to have been floating around out in the open water for three days, which is extremely unlikely. Much more likely is that Richard was swept out to sea and drowned at some point Days after which, sharks found his body and consumed him. So, being swept out to sea and drowning is horrible, but being attacked by a shark, (laughs) morbid question, but which one would you prefer, being swept out to sea and drowning or being attacked by a shark to death? Gosh, that's a hard one. Um, (laughs) I feel like shark attack would be quicker, swept out to sea would be slower. That's what I was saying. I think the shark attack would be quicker Hopefully they got me like all in one. Probably more painful though. Right. I say hopefully they got me all in one bite. I don't want to like have a limb missing no, and then I yeah. drowned. I also don't ever want to drown. That seems awful. <laughs> um, hmm, gosh. I think, I don't know. Cause like drowning, it's like a prolonged yeah. panic where like the shark would be like instant panic. But maybe if, it, maybe if I saw the shark coming and I knew I was about to be attacked by a shark, <laughs> my body would just like shut down and... He's going to go head first toward the shark so he gets your head first. <laughs> You're like, all right, Mr. Shark, make it fast. Yeah, yeah. But think about it, if you're swept out, you're like swimming. He could have been swimming for two hours, like slowly losing energy. Mm. I'm going to go with shark. Final answer, <laughs> shark attack. I'm going swept out to sea, man. I don't know. I feel like sharks so often they just like rip somebody's leg or arm off. (laughs) It's like the terror of like, well, now I'm just bleeding out and trying to stay above water. (laughs) I don't know. They're both terrible though. They're well, that's what I mean. Like, I hope they just don't take an arm because that's awful. (laughs) But you can survive that because there is that movie about the surfer, the female surfer who like loses arm and survives. Lots of people get attacked by sharks and live to tell the tale, but. I I don't know. That would be terrifying. I can't think of very many more scary things. Like, you know, one of my biggest fears is wasps. And I'm like, when I think about wasps compared to sharks, I'm like, they make wasps seem like very nice little tiny ants. Well, it's funny because your fear of wasps is slightly unknown. Yeah. Because you could not even be allergic. So you being stung by a wasp could be as terrible as you putting that chair through your pinky toe. (laughs) Where there's no way a shark attack is going to end positively. Like you're either missing a limb or you're dead. Or or you just have like big bite marks on your torso for the rest of your life, which would kind of be badass. But, you know. Yeah. I'm sure the uh, the PTSD that you would have from it and the fear of the ocean you might develop would not be worth just, like, having cool-looking scars. 
But yeah, so they're both both uh, scary outcomes for different reasons. Definitely don't want to go either way, hopefully. Hopefully ever. But for anyone traveling to Reunion Island or thinking about traveling there, let me advise you that the waters there are the most shark-infested in the world. And tiger sharks, like the one that ate Richard's arm, are ranked only second to great white sharks in the list of most dangerous sharks. Why is it so shark-infested? Is it because it's shallow and warm? You know, they have been trying to figure it out for a long time, and they have a couple of different um, ideas of why it may be. Like, uh, I I think it was on the west side of the island, they made a, a preserve, like a nature preserve, so they thought maybe... The increase in fish population there drew more sharks to the area because it's, you know, a new food source or an increased food source. Um, And then, you know, they have all kinds of geological ideas of why it might have happened, but nobody knows for sure. And it just suddenly, almost out of nowhere, one year, it just started getting out of control. (laughs) So, and I'm going to tell you all about that. So you want me to go to this island with you, and we're not going to get in the water, I take it. No. So I'm going to need a resort with a lazy river. We're going to stay at a resort with the nicest pool you've ever seen. (laughs) Okay, so an interesting thing about tiger sharks is that while most sharks don't actually eat humans and rather just bite them, tiger sharks are really indiscriminate about food and have even been known to eat garbage which is definitely why they would have seen Richard and just, you know, decided to have a little snack. That's a terrible thing to say. (laughs) Uh, Though Richard likely wasn't actually attacked by a shark, it was the 24th shark-related event reported on Reunion Island since 2011, with 10 people having actually been killed by sharks during that time period. So 10 people in... Eight years, basically. It's a lot of people for anywhere, really. Yeah, it's like one, just about one a year. Yeah, and that's just the fatalities. So, oh, so that doesn't include just any type of attack or yeah encounter. Okay. Yeah. So, in fact, sixteen percent of the world's fatal shark attacks between 2011 and 2016 happened in Reunion. So, like. 16% of all people who died because of sharks in that span of five years happened in reunion. And I was looking at like a sort of timeline of stuff, and 16 is just the average. It's actually increasing every year. So I think it was the year 2017 by itself, if you look at those statistics, it was 40%. <laughs> so it was like 40% of people who died from shark attacks died in. Reunion Island in 2017. What kind of activities are these people doing? Uh, mostly either surfing or swimming. Um, there was one person. And no one's telling them about these stats? Well, a lot of people know and they just do it anyway. <laughs> you can't get through to everyone, I guess. Uh, and then probably some people just don't really know. One person was swimming like not too far off of a beach and a shark just got him right in the middle of the torso and split him right in half. What? Yeah. Bad stuff. Um, and tiger sharks, by the way, are pretty big. Like great white sharks. <laughs> Let me say that again. 
great white sharks are really huge, but tiger sharks can, you know, they're like 10 feet long and more. So so these sharks are even approaching the beaches then. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not even safe to like wade in up to my waist. I mean, cool I off. think that Reunion Island probably tell you that it was fine. <laughs> but after I tell you the rest of all this stuff, I think you can make your own judgment. A 2015 study showed that 3.15 per 1 million people would die in a shark attack on Reunion. That might not seem like a really big number, but consider that the next highest rating was South Africa with 0.76 per million. In the U.S., that number is 0.0013 per million. So a pretty big number regardless of the actual scale, you know? Mm -hmm. The island, unfortunately, sits on an ocean route referred to as the Shark Highway, uh, and it stretches between South Africa and Australia, which, of course, are two countries that are well known to have very large shark populations and their own problems relating to them. In 2013, swimming and surfing were both actually banned on Reunion Island in all but a few places, like Hermitage Lagoon, <laughs> where Richard was disappeared from. Uh, and that was due to all the shark attacks that had happened in the previous three years. Wow. I don't think I want to go there anymore. Oh, sure you do. We'll just stay out of the water. Why am I going to fly? Why am I going to fly like 24 hours to go to an island I can't even get in the water For the at? hiking. I'm going to the, the Azores. I'll hike there. We're going to go I can. <laughs> I'm going to have to double check the Shark Highway doesn't make a pit stop there. There's no rest stop for them around the Azores. So anyway, I was really disappointed to read that Kelly Slater, one of the world's most well-known pro surfers, mm -hmm. made a statement in favor of culling sharks, and he said, quote, I won't be popular for saying this, but there needs to be a serious cull on reunion, and it should happen every day. There is a clear imbalance happening in the ocean there. If the whole world had these rates of attack, no one would use the ocean and millions of people would die like this. The French government needs to figure this out as soon as possible. I want to be, like, up on my soapbox or anything, but I feel like it's kind of crazy to say that the ocean has an imbalance which humans need to fix so that they can safely use the ocean. Because, like, we don't live in the ocean, so it's not really our stuff to yeah. mess with. <laughs> There's a million other places you can go and enjoy the ocean without sharks. Like, yes. clearly we're entering their habitat yeah. and causing the problem. Yeah, if there's a lot of sharks in Reunion, go go surf somewhere else. You don't, you don't go on a safari and get attacked by a lion. Yes, that's insanity. That's like, if you went on a safari <laughs> in Tanzania... And you got attacked by a lion and you were like, well, we have to kill these lions because it's not safe for people to come out into the we're, bush. We can't use the safari lands. Yeah. yeah, that's... It's insane. And I could not believe it because, you know, most pro surfers and like surfers in general have like so much respect for the ocean and the creatures that live in it. <laughs> so I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, but there was so much backlash after he said that, as you can imagine, I'm sure, that he retracted that statement. But of course, it was already like out of the Pandora's box and you can't put it back in. Yeah. So they put up nets and had lifeguards and drones and all kinds of ways that they thought they could make the area safer for swimmers. And I guess they 
opened the swimming back up in 2016 and then right away had another tourist lose an arm and a foot in a shark attack. So apparently there was a hole in the net. (laughs) Like, oh gosh. Yeah, nature finds a way, right? It's just like immediately they were like, okay, everybody get get back in the water. Nope, everybody back out, get out of the water. It's not safe. And as of 2018, surfing was still banned in most areas of the island. But apparently lots of people on the island are still doing it anyway, though there is a fine of 30 euro for anyone who's caught. Um, Apparently the places where you are allowed to surf are... Like the lagoon where it's like very flat water. So it's kind of a joke that it's like, oh, yeah, you go ahead and go surf in there if you can make your own waves. Right. Yeah. If you can find a wave. Yeah. So even though our Scottish friend Richard appears to not have died due to a shark attack, I came across a story when I was researching the island because, you know, I was looking into the hiking and I was telling you about it. And like this place, I was really excited to, <laughs> to for us to go someday. And uh, the story led me to read about the whole shark problem. So I'm, I'm glad I came across that, um, even if I re- arrived to it indirectly. Um, but of course, I wanted to share it in case there are some listeners out there who also wanted to go to Reunion but also just we're the kind of people who don't want to do any research. (laughs) They just want to show up. Maybe somebody will hear this and go, oh, let's make sure we get a place with a really great pool. You know, (laughs) let's not go in the ocean. Because you will not be going in the water. Yeah. And as a final note, interestingly, in October 2019, just one month prior to when Richard died, French President Emmanuel Macron said during a visit to the island that France would double financial assistance to 2 million euros to help prevent shark attacks. What that entails, I'm not sure. But if you're going to Reunion, maybe like they have an active volcano you can check out. That's cool. You can do some That's cool. awesome, yeah, multi-day hikes. And then just relax poolside and skip the beach completely. That's my advice. Well, that is um, that is definitely not what I expected for Reunion Island at all. <laughs> I just can't believe it's the most shark infested waters in the world. I'm, I'm definitely not going there with you anymore. <laughs> but the hiking looks so nice. And you know what that's what I was thinking was, uh, so Mauritius, ne- right next door, they apparently haven't had like an unprovoked shark attack since the 80s. And, you know, they try to figure out why, you know, why does this island not have any attacks and this island has like so many. But I'm like, you know, if you want to go to the beach, go to Mauritius. If you want to go hiking, go see an active volcano, go to Reunion. And I think that the island should market itself according to that. You know, they should just really market that hiking stuff, really invest in their trails. Right. Maybe maybe some mountain biking, things like that. But yeah, don't promote water activities. Yeah. You yeah. will not be parasailing or surfing. Yeah. Like, what, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, why work so hard against nature? It's like, yeah, what's you- the point? <laughs> you know, you have your own great things which apparently they do have like really great hiking and they have a great system set up where you can stay overnight along the way which i always love um so just you know keep investing in that like leave the sharks alone (laughs) like nobody has to get their arms and legs torn off agreed so that's all i got for you on that 
And we're definitely still going. Okay. Well, I started researching this story when we first started the podcast. So a while ago. Okay. Um, so I first started researching it and I tabled it and I kind of resurfaced it over the weekend. Mm. So this story takes place in Cambodia. Hmm. I don't know what that sound was that just came out of me, but I meant to say, mm. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I know. I've been listening. I've been listening back to our episodes and I feel like I just slur all the time. Like, I don't, like all my <laughs> words are mashed together. So, yeah. I'm going to try really hard to separate my words and talk slower. <laughs> That'll make editing easier. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> All right, go on. Tell me about Cambodia. Okay, so we have Natalie Jade Seymour, 22, from Britain, and Abby Gail Amasola, 27, from Canada. Hmm. They're both living out their dreams, traveling the world. The two were traveling separately in 2016 when they met each other in Bali. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, right? I feel like that's something. If we didn't meet in a beer group, we would have met somewhere (laughs) in an airport. Actually, we probably wouldn't because we wouldn't talk to anyone in airports, but... Yeah, we'd just be staring at our phones and headphones and... Yeah, I mean, there's a chance we probably would have met poolside at a resort. Yeah. I'd just be like, oh, look, she's on her seventh drink, too. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, so Natalie and Abby meet while traveling in Bali. Uh, They kind of become fast friends. After they both return home to their home countries, they stay in contact and continue building their friendship. Mm. Fast forward to 2017, Abby had just earned her education degree in Winnipeg and was working as a substitute teacher before she set off to travel Asia. This was in September of 2017. She planned to kind of like backpack for a year. Uh-huh. Partway through her trip, she reached out to Natalie in the UK and asked her to join her. Both who had, like, the, you know, the desire to travel the world and, you know, live this nomadic life. Natalie jumped at the opportunity, quit her job as an account manager, (laughs) and bought a one-way ticket to join Abby in Cambodia. Damn, she really didn't like her job. (laughs) She was just like, somebody give me a reason to get out of here and give notice. Goodbye. I mean, I will say, she was 22. Does anyone like their job when they're 22? No. (laughs) I'm, like... I like my job. And even if you called me tomorrow and was like, hey, you want to go meet me in Cambodia? I'd be like, sure. I don't think I'd quit my job, but they'd be like, you guys, I got to go. I'll be back in six months. Goodbye. Yeah. So once in Cambodia, Natalie posted photos as her and Abby traveled through the country. They were in Kampot and settled into the Monkey Republic guest house for a few days. Mm. They had only been together for six days when they both became extremely ill. Uh-oh. They both started to experience violent vomiting and diarrhea. Oh, no. Double decker. Oh, yeah. Like when it comes out both sides. Mm-hmm. Not not good. There's nothing worse than the fear and the feeling of being sick when you're traveling. But also, <laughs> just because we've had this experience of like when you're traveling with a friend and you're having intestinal gastrointestinal issues and it's like that's that's how you make real close friends is like are you staying in a tiny hotel together with one bathroom that you both have to share and you both have the runs (laughs) (laughs) when you're just like swapping bathroom turns yeah 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 i i will always remember norway (laughs) yeah we i mean we've been to we've been on enough trips where uh we have encountered this yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? The truth is, 
if you're not a big traveler, but you're listening to this podcast anyway, just know that if you're ever on a trip with somebody and you get the crazy, crazy runs or the really, really bad farts, when you travel, <laughs> like the, the whole ecosystem of your, in, you know, your intestines or whatever, it changes. Like even just the water, the difference in water will change the bacteria in your gut and you might have some nasty stuff coming out of you. So just be ready for that. And it's fine. It happens to everybody. <laughs> and sometimes nothing comes out and it's yeah. just days and you literally start to get the tummy blow. Sometimes you're sharing a bed with your travel friend and they're hotboxing you under the covers with their farts. Close encounters. Traveling brings people together. These are really, these are really like true bonding moments. <laughs> it makes you realize that like humans are humans. That's all. Totally great. Anyway. So the girls are having a rough time. They're not feeling very well. Natalie texted her mom, Wendy, back in the UK and told her she wasn't feeling well. The hotel manager of the Monkey Republic Guesthouse suggested that they visit a local store for over-the-counter medicine, Mm. assuming that the girls were suffering from food poisoning. Natalie also began looking for answers online. She started to search her phone, I assume on Google, Mm -hmm. for things like, vomiting so much, I have chest pains. Oh, wow. Another search said, my belly is cramping, but I don't feel sick. It's weird what is going on. Oh, wow. She was also concerned about the color of her vomit, which was yellow and dark green. Oh, my God. Like, that's never good. Nope. Like, you want to know it's like the food coming up because you know that that's what your body wanted out. Yeah. Or it's like the hangover throw up where you're like, oh, that's just. (laughs) It's bright red from all those daiquiris you drank last night. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's just like liquid and like pizza. Shouldn't be in. Yeah. So in Natalie's text to her mom, she said that her and Abby were going to try to find something to help them feel better. At this time, it seems like their condition kind of started to go downhill even further. A local drove the women to a local doctor, but when they arrived, Natalie was unconscious, so they returned back to the guest house. Which, when I read this, it made no sense. You go to take someone who's sick to the doctor. You get there, they're unconscious, so you take them back home? Yeah. Yeah. And what are we clarifying as like unconscious? Like, was she completely like out cold? Had she fallen asleep in the car because she was uncomfortable and didn't feel good? So I thought that was really strange. This guest house is in a really remote area, so there's no hospital nearby, but still pretty alarming. Hmm. Yeah. Hours later, both of the women were found dead in their beds by the member of the guest house staff. Oh, God. I... (laughs) I just think about if it was us. That's horrible. Some random Mm -hmm. person finding us and having to, like, tell our moms. That's awful. Yeah. And they were in, like, a shared bunk room. Yeah, like a hospital. So there was multiple. Yep, exactly. And a statement posted on Facebook by the Cambodian Immigration Office in Kampo said investigators suspected that the women died after taking too much of a medication. And in the initial photos that were released of the scene, there's like a disheveled bed and white pills kind of scattered Hmm. on the floor. Which is weird. (laughs) It is weird. And there's some, it's like very limited information, but it sounds like everyone's a little skeptical about those photos. Yeah. Because I even thought to myself, even if I went and got, you know, some over-the-counter Pepto or aspirin. Uh-huh. When you why you're closing the bottle or it's in like a popping yeah uh, what are those the a blister pack and yeah you're pop one out so it's a little weird that they're just like strewn about 
But there's not much mention, again, in any of the reports that I read about those photos and the pills being Mm. strewn about. Yeah. As soon as news of Abby's death reached her family and friends in Canada, they set up a GoFundMe page to help bring her body home. Mm. They didn't expect the outpouring of support. Within a few days, the GoFundMe raised more than $26,000. Wow. Far surpassing the initial goal of $10,000 and the updated goal of $20,000. Once Natalie's body was returned to the UK, her mother requested a more thorough investigation. A forensic test carried out in the UK could not shed light on how she and Abby had died. Huh. A year later, in 2018, Natalie's mom, Wendy, was still searching for answers. When the first inquest was opened up about Natalie's death, the cause could not be determined. Um, Just a little side note, I was like looking into an inquest. It's not a trial, but it's more of an investigation into the reasoning behind someone's death to continue filling out their death certificate. Okay. Typically. So like basically if they had a death certificate and you're contesting it and saying, please look into this. Yeah, so it's an, a judicial inquiry. So they uh-huh. get, you know, lawyers involved, but it's not like a, not like a like a legal trial. Or yes, yes, sorry, yeah. yes, a legal trial. So maybe it'd be like the kind of thing where if like you needed to have somebody's body exhumed, maybe you would do something like that. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like re-examining of the death. Yeah. Um, inquest are very specific to someone's death. Hmm, okay. Okay. Just a little bit of tidbit of information. So, during the inquest in 2018, Officer Paul Myhill said there was no evidence of foul play, but the court was told that a sample of Natalie's blood that had accompanied her body back to the UK couldn't be tested because there was no proper labeling on the vials. Huh. Tissues and fluid samples obtained back in the UK also provided no significant toxicology findings. So, which is like weird. Everything's coming up. Blank. These are two healthy women. Natalie had only been in the country for six days. Abby had been there, I think, a month or two. Uh huh. Just pretty strange. It wasn't until this past year, in the fall of 2019, that more details of what may have happened to the woman surfaced. It was during the same time that I started to find out the information about the locals taking them to a doctor. And all of the articles from 2017, uh-huh. they never mentioned someone taking them to the doctor. They just uh-huh. say, Manager told them to go to a pharmacy or a clinic to get over-the-counter pills. They went to their room to sleep it off, Uh and they never woke up. Hmm. In an interview with Natalie's mom, Wendy, she was asked about the new information regarding that someone attempted to bring them to a doctor. She said, What I find odd is why wasn't she taken to a hospital? She was taken to a local doctor but unconscious when she got there. Surely someone should have realized she needed to go to the hospital. Instead, she was brought back to the hostel to die. Yeah, really. Like, I, if somebody's unconscious, like, you, you take them to the hospital and you keep them there until they figure out why they're passed out and they wake them up. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. There's a lot of, like, very unanswered things in mm-hmm. this. In all of the reports, like, the fact that they, at first in 2017 in Cambodia, they kind of pointed at a drug overdose and then their bodies um, are returned back to their home countries. There's not much from the Canadian side of things, there's not much continued reporting uh-huh. about Abby and their family's investigation into this. It seems like, at least from what I read, it was Natalie's mom who's really pushing to find answers. Mm. In this more recent 2019 inquest, 
Dr. Swamy, who carried out the postmortem, said that he had found evidence of damage to Natalie's liver caused by drug toxicity mm. and gave this as his cause of death. He said this was sometimes seen as a result of taking over-the-counter medicine like acetaminophen or anticonvulsants, which are used to treat seizures. However, coroner Jeffrey Sullivan recorded an open verdict after hearing that Natalie and her friend had bought an unknown over-the-counter medication. The Dr. Swamy said the fact that he found fatty lipids near her liver uh-huh. or on her liver in her liver which shows a sign of toxic something toxic inside of her body and also that the signs of the yellow and green vomit would also be a sign of liver Ooh. issues uh-huh so at first i'm like well is this like very specific to natalie like did she have some underlying health issue that no one knew about and she got there but it still does not explain what happened to abby then yeah there's no yeah. way that both women had like hidden mm-hmm. liver issues or were like munching on way too many aspirin you know yeah just doesn't make sense huh so that's kind of how it was left is that in the inquest in 2019 they pretty much said this is what we think happened but still we're going to leave it open because there's nothing that finite mm-hmm. So to this day, there's it's still kind of unanswered. Oh, that's awful. And it's terrible that in cases like that, it, it always is the, you know, the parents or the, you know, husband or wife or whatever that has to keep pushing on something to try to get an answer when realistically it would be better for them if they could not have their whole life be, you know, involved in thinking about this person who passed away every single day. But especially in cases when it's something overseas that happened that's unanswered. It's like the case is only going to keep going on as long as you keep pushing. Yep, definitely. So I was on some TripAdvisor forms, kind of looking over Reddit. Mm -hmm. And Cambodia is also known to have a very lax prescription drug process. Uh So a lot of people will go there from Australia, the US, and they can get powerful painkillers without a prescription right from the pharmacy. Uh So there's actually people that have gone to Cambodia, take these over-the-counter drugs, and then become addicted because they're taking pills that are similar to codeine Mm, and things like that. There's kind of like this little bit of a drug culture around Cambodia because the system around pharmaceuticals is a little little messed Mm -hmm. up. So I started to dig in that a little bit more. So according to the previous director of the Essential Drugs Bureau for the Ministry of Health's Department of Drugs and Food said that Cambodia's pharmaceutical industry is underregulated and oversaturated with distributors. Uh. You can have 600 pharmacies in, in one city. Many pharmacies don't even have licensed pharmacists. And while laws pertaining to prescription pills exist, officials simply lack the resources to properly enforce them. Sure. And Despite importing nearly all of its medicines, primarily from China and India, Mm. Cambodia's pharmaceutical industry is thriving, encouraged in part because patients have the tendency to avoid doctors and go directly to pharmacists for medical care and receive pills like powerful antibiotics, painkillers, anti-anxiety drugs, Mm. all without a prescription. That's terrible. And again, this is kind of known within the travel community and some people seek this out for Not very good intentions. Sure, sure. In a recent report from the UN of Drug and Crime, it is reported that in a given year, Southeast Asian consumers spend as much as $2.6 billion, and that's US dollars, Mm -hmm. on drugs that might contain little to none of the active ingredients needed to cure the ailment. Oh, wow. 
At their worst, these medicines won't just fail to treat a deadly illness, but they'll actively harm those who take them. Mm. Some analysis of the counterfeit drugs have found poisonous additives and fillers in toxic cocktails that sometimes include rat poison and shoe polish. Oh, delicious. My favorite ingredients. Mm-hmm. So That's awful. That's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. And I'm, I'm not saying that's what happened in Natalie and Abby. Yeah. But- Clearly, there are things that have not been answered. And I think for me, it just highlights the importance of like being prepared when you travel yeah. overseas, no matter where you're going, always bring your own over-the-counter medicines. <laughs> yeah. And especially when it comes to things like traveler's diarrhea and upset stomachs and food poisoning, I've never had a problem having my primary care doctor prescribe something for me to take with me. Uh-huh. I haven't had to take it at all, and I just have it there just in case. Mm-hmm. But it's just like so important to make sure like you are responsible for kind of like your own health when you're traveling abroad because you never know. I mean, it could be something as simple as a cold medicine, which you experienced when we were in Norway. Yeah. Ashley was super sick with just yeah. like a common cold. And in Norway. Turns out that uh, the, the in Norway, you can't get like NyQuil, DayQuil, whatever that kind of medicine Without a doctor's appointment. <laughs> so after that, we always brought our own stuff. Like, because you never know what a country's going to have and what they don't have. Totally. And I don't think we would have ever realized that unless the situation happened. Yeah. And funny enough, after that trip, I also always started bringing in modium. <laughs> because that's also where we had our bathroom troubles. Yep. <laughs> always bring a modium everywhere you go. In health, and even if you don't bring things and you do see a doctor, standards of care are different. Standards of treatment are completely different. And yeah, and you just you don't even know if like a country could have great healthcare and great doctors, and you could just go to the one that somebody says, "Oh, that guy, yeah, he he speaks English. He sees tourists all the time. Go to him, and he could be the worst one." Like you know, yeah, because he just kind of scams tourists. Like that happens too. So. Yeah. I told this story as my as my PSA to our listeners to always just think of your own health yeah. before you go on a trip. Mm-hmm. And really the only thing that you should have to actually actively go and seek out would be antibiotics, which if you're in another country and you got to get yourself some antibiotics, you better be going to see a doctor in that country first. Well, right. Not and- just going and buying some over-the-counter freaking antibiotics. Right. But like I said, if you go to most travel clinics where you're located or your primary care doctor, Uh most of the time they will prescribe you antibiotics to have on hand and then you have the peace of mind that you have them. Yeah. But I mean, you know, (laughs) you don't know if you need antibiotics until a doctor tells you you do. So except for unless you're like you and you get sinus infections like every other day, (laughs) then you know when you need them. Right. Which I have one right now. Thank you very much. Oh, lovely. (laughs) I feel like sinus infections and UTIs, those are things that people typically get like all the time and they know exactly what they need. All the rest of us, I I wouldn't know when I needed an antibiotic. Right. Yeah. That's fair. For the basics. Yeah. I'm surprised there isn't more information from Abby's family in Canada, but you know, that's also a private thing too. Maybe you don't want to broadcast it or kind of publicize the hunt for answers. Um, But like you said- it's always a family member who ends up searching. I mean, this happened in 2007, and it wasn't until 2019. Yeah. I guess that was over six months ago. It feels like last month <laughs> that her mom finally started to get some more formal answers from 
from her death. So yeah, that's my story. Oh, poor girls. Anyway, um, hey, have you been attacked by a shark? Send me an email about it. <laughs> if you ever been, uh, if you ever been at a beach and you saw a shark coming toward you, or you've been at a beach and you got back into the water and everybody was screaming, and it was like, oh, because there was a shark behind you and you didn't know it the whole time. Send us an email about that. Send us any kind of shark-related situations to early departures podcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at early departures podcast. And if you would like, you know, if you if you're listening to our show and you enjoy it, feel free to go and give us a good rating. Yeah. And tell us what you think about it. Even if you hate it, tell us. Tell us why you hate it. Yeah, you can't just blindly tell us that you don't like it. You have to give us a reason yeah. and hopefully some helpful critiques so we can I'll try to improve. Just tell us you love us. We're very insecure that way. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Terribly insecure. Uh, we just want to be liked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we will, as always, be back next Monday unless Phoebe is dying from a raging sinus infection and can't really talk. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll see you next week. And until then, be safe and depart on time.